Hello. Welcome, everyone. I'm Bruce. I'm Greg. And I'm Casey. Together, we will dive into the mysterious world of the hit TV show, Supernatural. Join us as we follow Sam and Dean on some crazy adventures as we break down episode by episode and have some fun along the way. Today's episode, Season 1, Episode 17, Hell House, premiered on March 30th, 2006, directed by Chris Long and written by Trey Calloway. We are Natural, Natural, Natural Friends. Friends. We've got our pal Greg, we've got our guy Bruce, they've got their other friend who's pretty cool. We're gonna spend some time with Sam and Dean, we're gonna kill some monsters and break down a scene. Remember, spoilers ahead. This week on Supernatural, Sam and Dean meet their match on two different fronts. A murderous tulpa haunting a cabin in the woods and two professional paranormal investigators. In the end, they rage quit and set the cabin on fire and leave. So this episode takes us to Richardson, Texas, which not only is it a real town, is actually where Jensen Ackles is from. Oh, that's fun. Hey, who is that? Oh, sorry. That's not what, oh. <laughs> this episode gave off uh, kind of like an 80s horror vibe um, throughout this, including where they were working and where they were, <laughs> uh, what they were driving. Um, the lady in the one cafe was wearing like these blue, this blue dress or something like that. But even just this first scene where they're walking through the woods, it was like this these teenagers walking through the woods towards a murderer. Like it was just this cliche, like eighties horror. And I was just, I was digging it. I won't lie. It definitely had a really fun vibe to it, which I think kind of extended throughout this whole episode, but yeah, you're definitely right. This first scene felt pretty homage. Um, the one thing that threw me off in it was everyone just looked so old. Even <laughs> the second group of quote unquote kids that go to the haunted house, they just look so old. They look like they're late twenties, early to mid thirties. And I, I just couldn't take any of them for like high schoolers or college, whatever age they were supposed to be. Yeah. I didn't notice. I, I really don't pay attention too much. <laughs> um, when they're trying to convey an age and they miss the mark, I just assume they're not trying to convey a specific age, but I guess yeah, if they look like they're 30 years old, then that's a particular group of friends that would not be doing truth or dare or anything like that. So that's a good point. That happens in like all kinds of shows. Um, I'm thinking like Saved by the Bell, um, like Boy Meets World, where they're all all clearly older than what they are supposed to be. Um, and But it, I think it works because their peers are also the same age. But when you have like three <laughs> people in a wood in the woods, you're like, those aren't kids. <laughs> like they can <laughs> vote now. <laughs> Another thing I really liked about the beginning of this episode was I really like it when um, it can come off kind of exposition. -y, but whenever like one of the characters, um, especially that's not Sam or Dean, talk about whatever the urban legend is for the episode. You guys know what I mean? No. Say it again. <laughs> you you like when other people talk about the urban legend? I like when the episode takes the time to explain its own lore. 
And even even though like the whole point of this episode was this kid making up the story, I still like having that element of these characters know these urban legends and it's something that they talk about to each other. And it's not just Sam and Dean coming in and explaining an entirely new concept to these people that the story is about and them constantly like giving all the exposition. That's a good point. I never thought of that. Um, almost every episode is them saying, here's, here's the legend. <laughs> or it's either them or a uh, college professor. <laughs> yeah. Or a therapist. Or a therapist. That's right. I also really like, uh, unrelated, but this trend we're on of the episodes not being named after the monster yeah you wonder where they got hell house out of this like obviously it's a house but it's not even really a house it's a cabin but kind of uh pulled it out of, out of the side exactly and like last week shadow i mean it's related to the monster but it's not just called deva and what was the other one nightmare route 666 faith better than our trend of uh let's see what do we have wendigo <laughs> Phantom Traveler, <laughs> Bloody Mary, Hookman. Get a little bugs. more creative with their naming. So Sam found this urban legend via a website called hellhoundslair.com. Did you go and to if it? You're curious. I did. Oh. It just redirects you to CW. Oh. <laughs> it's still pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it, used to, it used to be like um Obviously, it was set up by the CW, and it used to have like ghost stories on there that were kind of related to the show, but not directly. Um, so you you could use it as just this fun urban legend website, but yeah, they just redirected it to CW now. That's cool. I bet you probably because the like the technology has changed so much since then. Like the website that they put up probably doesn't hold up. Eric Kripke has even talked about how all the times they would set up these um this online stuff for fans to interact with it never got the reaction that they hoped for fans always just went off and did their own thing and they could never <laughs> match that but at a certain point it's not really worth it <laughs> what do you guys think about the prank war this is a fun little subplot i always love a good prank war and uh i loved it because we've had so much drama between these guys the past you know season and it was nice to see them just just be brothers for an episode nothing crazy not yelling at each other not you know talking about jealousy and whatnot just uh putting itchy stuff down someone's pants you know i like on top of that we got tie-in to recent drama by them mentioning how they're, they separated from their dad and sam didn't agree with it but it didn't turn into a fight it was this is what happened this is how i feel about it and we moved on Thanks for putting that spoon <laughs> in my mouth. Yeah. You can visit hellhoundslayer.com via the Wayback Machine to see what it looked like back in 2000. What? Six? 2007? Six, yeah. Six, yeah. We'll, we'll link to that in the show notes. That'd be cool. <laughs> so the brothers go to these four teens who were involved in the initial incident and they get varying stories from them, which again was a fun scene while also being realistic to what would actually happen. Because they said it's been, like, what, one or two months since they reported this to the cops? So, of course, their memory's not reliable anymore at this point, and they're all getting the details a little bit confused. So that was pretty cool. Um, Before they go there, Sam brings up this thing where he's like, 
oh, we're going to go where teenagers always hang out. What was that? Do they just hang out at restaurants? Is that what that was supposed to be? I think it was a diner. Right? No? It was just a strange, like, obviously the answer to where teens hang out. And I was like, is this going to be like a roller yeah. dirt? Like, I... Roller <laughs> dirt. Yeah, I thought it was weird. Cause I, I thought it was that same, that setup of like, uh, we'll go where we always go. And then they show the place. But then it turned out they were talking to the exact person who was there. So it was like, we always go to interview the people is what I took from it. But <laughs> I don't know if that's what they meant. It was really weird. Yeah, it was a weird one. Uh, so they interview all these teens. And it's comical, but it's a good demonstration of how unreliable eyewitness testimony is. And then they, they go to the place, right? Is that immediately after? Mm-hmm. and. I thought it was funny that Dean's EMF reader was thrown off by the presence of electricity. <laughs> it's like this cabin in the woods. And like, if you don't think about it, it sounds like it makes sense. Like, oh, that old transformer has probably got some juice left in it. It's giving off this weird energy. It's just like, okay, but you use this in a suburban house. <laughs> like, what's the problem? <laughs> I just sort of thought it was weird that there was even like, electricity out there like i didn't do my research but i'd be curious how many houses were hooked up with electricity by the great depression especially oh, cabins in the woods hey siri <laughs> when did thomas edison put light bulbs in all our houses so the history of texas electricity began in the 1880s <laughs> uh 15 years or so after the end of the civil war um by the 1890s power was mostly being made and used in cities you're not gonna believe this Growth in rural areas was slow and wouldn't take off until the 1930s. <laughs> it definitely stuck out to me because that was important to the story uh, to an extent. Um, but I was just like, wait, I was like, it just seems very odd to see these two electric poles, you know, come through the woods to this random cabin. So while the boys are in the house, they're taking notice of all these different symbols that are around. Um. And they mention that there's the, oh boy, what is it? There's, there's a reverse cross, which is a pretty easy one to understand. And then, yeah, this is a dual sulfur. So there's actually three different sulfur crosses that are used in the occult. And that specific one is known as a Leviathan cross or also Satan's cross. Huh. So while they're searching around the house, they get surprised by... Two new boys oh, who, go, who yeah. go by the names Ed Zedmore and Harry Spangler. Ghostbuster reference, tight. While you guys were looking at them, did you get any thoughts? Yeah. Like maybe, hey, who is that? That's right, it's our weekly segment where we take a look at some of the guest stars featured in this week's episode of Supernatural. So first up, we'll go to Harry Spangler, who is played by... Travis Wester. Hey, who was that? So, Travis Wester, you'll probably most likely recognize from either a 2001 episode of Scrubs. There's a chance. But more often than not, people are going to know him from the 2004 hit with a Matt Damon cameo, Eurotrip. Oh, is he one of the twins? Sure. Probably. So long since I've seen that. Next up, we'll look at Ed Zedmore 
played by A.J. Buckley. Hey, who is A.J. Buckley? So you might know A.J. from his time as Adam Ross on CSI New York, Danny Crow on Justified, or you may not recognize him at all from his current appearance as Sonny Quinn on the CBS show SEAL Team. Bruce, you're going to have to post a side-by-side of this man in Supernatural and on SEAL Team. Just go to <laughs> just go to AJ Buckley's IMDb. AJ Buckley? He's a completely different person. <laughs> I, I thought you were making a dig at, like, you totally didn't watch this show. <laughs> I was going to say that's very rude. No. Oh, my God, I don't recognize him at all. God, where did that jaw come from? <laughs> God, he must have put on 40, 50 pounds of muscle. Pure muscle, yeah. It's insane. I did recognize him from CSI, because I recognized him. I was like, who is that? Yeah, I literally he was on like 140 episodes of CSI New York. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> we'll see you next time on... Hey, who is that? I like that... The boys hit a point where they were just ready to call it not their problem after they met the the paranormal investigators and found out that it was their website that they got everything off of and thought that they probably made everything up, um, which was kind of interesting foreshadowing, but um, they were just ready to pack it in and leave. It took someone dying for them to stay. And they kind of glossed over it, but this kind of shows you a little bit, and I'm sure it did affect them in a certain way. Um, because like if they screw up, people die. Like if they don't look farther into things than they should, people die. So I mean they didn't really touch on that, but that's definitely like an effect of you know their jobs, and they could see that bothering them down the road at least. Well, I actually wonder. I would love to expound on this because I, I wonder if it bothered them further up the road. Because they've been doing this for 20 years. And I wonder if they kind of got used to the idea of, well, if we don't do anything at all, people are dying all across this country and we're just doing our best to, you know, limit those deaths. Like, sucks for that girl, but like, can't blame us for not realizing this was real. <laughs> yeah. And because you're right, they, they made no mention of like, ah, oh, if only we took this seriously, that girl would be alive. <laughs> So Dean recognizes the other symbol they saw inside the house. <laughs> Bruce, we know from the episode Faith that you yourself have some Blue Oyster Cult experience. Did you recognize it? Uh, it I just, it looks familiar. It was the same with Dean, where I was like, <laughs> and I even thought, like, for some reason, Led Zeppelin was coming to mind. But uh, So another tragedy of loss of music on Netflix. This episode actually has two Blue Oyster Cult songs in it. And they're both, I'm pretty sure they're both at the beginning before you even find out that that is the Blue Oyster, a Blue Oyster Cult logo. Um, so, a fun element of foreshadowing with music that we missed out on. Yeah, can't wait till we can get the actual soundtrack. <laughs> soon. Real yeah, soon. if only I had heard that, I would have made that connection. Definitely would have <laughs> called that symbol. It cracks me up how excited locals are to just talk to these people about things that are going on. Just like <laughs> it, it just 
And so, like, when they came across the the dead girl um, at the scene, that random guy was there. I don't even know what he was doing there in the middle of the woods at the crime scene. Um, but he's just casually like, yeah, suicide. She's and it's just like, who who are you and why are you telling these strangers about? But at the same time, like I go on my social media and like if there's a car wreck down the road, everybody's talking about it. So like, <laughs> I guess it's human oh, nature to yeah. just gossip about things that go on in your community. It did make me laugh because it was uh, she was a, a straight A student with a full ride scholarship. and That just don't make sense. And I'm just like, yeah, mental health is pretty complicated. <laughs> it's, it's not about <laughs> money and scholarship, but okay. So the boys figure out that the jerk Craig Thurston made up the whole story about Mordecai. And that's when Sam figures out that it's uh it's probably a tulpa you guys want to talk about some tulpas yeah i do all right so let's start with some of the other lore in this episode one of the things is just kind of this basis of this whole urban legends in town how they're formed and these stories coming to life that people share there wasn't a story that inspired it or anything it was actually inspired by an anecdote from trey calloway the writer of the episode um who when he was younger had this exact same experience where um some people made up the story about the house they painted some symbols inside of it um people around town started to believe the legend that they were spreading and it ended with this girl actually breaking her leg inside of the house because she thought she saw something and got scared um and the cops got involved and everything so they extrapolated that into the basis of this episode and used the idea of the tulpa so a tulpa is Almost exactly what they say in the episode. It's um, a Tibetan thought form. So they reference 1915 monks bringing a golem to life, which I couldn't find anything about. Not sure how real that actually is. But um, a tulpa is a concept in mysticism and the paranormal of a being or object which is created through spiritual or mental powers. It comes from Tibetan sprulpa, which has been adapted to tulpa. Sprulpa means emanation or manifestation. So in Tibetan Buddhism, emanation bodies, which are part of the Buddhist doctrine of the three bodies of Buddha, they're usually emanation bodies of celestial beings, though unrealized beings, such as humans, may have their own emanation bodies or even be emanation bodies. For example, the 14th Dalai Lama is considered by some followers to be an emanation reincarnation of Chenrezig, the bodhisattva of compassion. The 14th Dalai Lama mentioned in a public statement that his successor might appear via emanation while the current Dalai Lama is still alive. So the idea is that in Tibetan Buddhism, um, these thought forms could be created through meditation and concentration, and normally they were associated with deities essentially but in modern western society that the idea of the tulpa has been kind of assimilated and changed into something that are essentially imaginary friends taken a step further so there are these people people that call themselves call themselves uh tulpa mancers 
there's even like a subreddit dedicated to them. It has like 32,000 members on it. It's about to have 32,001. It's, <laughs> it's this really interesting culture um, around these people who are discussing their experiences with tulpas that they create. And they relate it to how an author might um, talk about their fictional characters coming to life and talking to them. So their whole thing is that they're creating these thought forms inside of their own brain and they share brain space together and they're people that they can live with kind of. It's really very interesting. Um, and there's this whole other subculture to it, which is kind of pervy. Um, Vice did an article about it a few years ago, um, which we'll link to on the show notes too. Um, talks about this uh, Tulpomancy subculture. Um, but there's parts of this subreddit that aren't about that pervy side at all. It's really people who are just creating these Tulpas to have something to interact with and to to share with. It's really interesting. What's just, up, Greg? I'm sorry. In your research, did you come across Tulpas Gone Wild? It's very funny, yes. So yeah, tulpas have changed over the past couple hundred years, but still alive today in a very different way. So their first interaction with the tulpa was them going back to the cabin, but the cops were there because a girl just died there. It made sense. And they were trying to figure out how to get by these cops, and lo and behold, our two paranormal investigator friends are coming up. So Dean threw his voice to make a noise that supposedly resonated towards the direction of paranormal investigators. Because if it was just normal, even though there's the cops would see the paranormal investigators coming, they would also say, hey, who's that in the woods? I heard you. Hey, who is that? Hey, who is that? <laughs> My um, my theory on that was just that when they turn around, they saw people. So it was yeah, just like, just went for yeah, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, Bruce, I'm on the same page. And Greg, um, the disrespect of just calling it a noise. What did he say? I couldn't remember how he did. Who are you going to call? <laughs> right. Because, you know, they have last names like the Ghostbusters. Right. No, I get it. It's funny. The paranormal investigators make it back to the house after they get chased away by the cops and and they say uh would john edwards go <laughs> deep cut deep cut bruce are you familiar with um greg what's it called crossing over with john edwards yeah are you familiar with crossing over with john edwards i am not that's okay oh you don't have to be <laughs> tell me <laughs> i don't think i ever watched it i just knew it was a big thing yeah, he was just like a paranormal guy in like the late 90s, early 2000s. He's a mentalist. Yeah, he's a <laughs> mentalist. So the Tulpa was immune to rock salt, and I was a little thrown off by that because it seemed like it was okay at like slowing them down. In all the excitement from all the action, Sam and Dean both noticed the Tulpa's wrists were slit. Yeah, I could not. Catch it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Just like, oh, all right. 
And uh, yeah, I just thought that was interesting. And like, uh, I'm pretty quick to be like, that's unrealistic. But then it's also like, yeah, but these guys are pros. Like in the heat of the moment, <laughs> that's what they yeah. that's what they pick up on. They got much closer to his wrist than I did, so <laughs> I'll give it to them. So the boys came up with uh, what I think was actually a pretty pretty smart idea from them to f- get the fake death certificate yeah, and present that to the uh, paranormal investigators so that they could post it online and spread that weakness of, was it iron, right? Just iron, iron bullets. bullets would hurt him. Yeah. Nice job, boys. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. That was a really cool way to... Yeah, I thought it was uh, especially smart to like pretend like, oh, we want you to take this down because my boy Sam knows how the internet works. And <laughs> if you want something taken down it will just be posted harder and faster you bet uh, so hard and fast that it actually crashes their website as soon as the brothers are done looking at it yeah which now that i think about it unless i i assumed that their website crashed for some random reason but if their website crashed due to volume then it should have worked so it must be a random reason sam glued dean's hand to a bottle (laughs) I was thinking about that and I was like, how do I hold a bottle? Like, and I don't (laughs) think I wrap my whole hand around a beer when I drink it. Like, I definitely like like, three fingers. Yeah, three fingers. I absolutely do. Oh, okay. So, Casey, when I want to do that, (laughs) it'll work for you. (laughs) At some point, they go to the hotel and we get to see their hotel room. Oh, yeah. Um, It was a really cool hotel. It was like a Western themed. (laughs) Yeah, it was fun set dressing. We get to see Sam without his shirt on, which I don't remember oh. if it's happened before. <laughs> it has not. But Probably not. My yeah. man is cut. <laughs> <laughs> I was genuinely surprised because uh, we've talked about it before, Bruce. They get jacked. like, And I didn't realize how jacked he already was. <laughs> it's crazy. I, I think their clothes are definitely like made to look him, make him at least look like more lanky. Um, yeah. But I think when the shirt comes off, you're like, yeah, I would not want to go up against it. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like they probably created a monster with their fans because their fans are probably demanding it in the first place. But now that they've placated them, their fans are like, all right, <laughs> keep it coming. But he was walking over and I could have sworn one of his pecs were like yep. flexing <laughs> casually. <laughs> Oh, no, Bruce, that wasn't casually. That was intentional. Okay, just wanted to make sure. That was for the fans. That was fans. for you, Bruce. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was for me. Um, I saw a cameraman in this episode, and it's the first time I've Did ever you? seen something like that. What? Wait, was it from the Paranormal Investigators? Greg, you were supposed to see that camera. <laughs> no. He's <laughs> standing was, right um, in the middle of the room. <laughs> it was like, I'm not even quite sure what was happening that made them accidentally do this, but is the four of them were in a room, and then... Sam and Dean were behind the camera. The two guys were in front of the camera. And then, like, they were, like, going into action. So Sam and Dean were doing whatever. And as Sam and Dean were moving, I saw a person, like, a full-on, like, left shoulder of a person. What is going on? And I thought it was Sam. And it's not Sam. It was really weird. I I was going to say, do you have the time for that? (laughs) Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I'll I'll give it to you. Five minutes and 39 seconds left. Oh, my God. Yeah. You see it? <laughs> it's real bad. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things that, like, um, 
uh, count the number of basketball passes. Okay, but uh-huh. did you see the dancing bear? Yeah. <laughs> because I normally would never see, I've seen this episode before and I didn't see that. And it's very obvious when you're looking for it. Go to like 3440-ish. Oh my God! <laughs> <laughs> this is a full shoulder. That's not even like... Uh-huh. That's one of the reasons I commented on it is is I've seen many IMDb trivia blooper things of like you see a boom here you can see a camera operator here I've but I've never noticed it just like casually watching <laughs> it was the worst one I've ever seen <laughs> yeah that was really bad somebody Man, messed hold up on, wait <laughs> let me go change my review score real quick <laughs> <laughs> yeah so then they rage quit. I love it. What a great idea. <laughs> oh, this cabin's haunted. I had similar thoughts to a lot of these episodes where I was like, if we get rid of the place that they're haunting, it's probably done. Like, so I'm <laughs> finally glad they finally did it where it was just like, I mean, if we just get rid of the place, it's... there's this shapeshifter haunting the city of Chicago. If we could just nuke it off. The <laughs> just get rid of Chicago. It's easy. I liked um Sam's question at the end that was like so how many have existed because people believe in them so i would guess for almost 100% certainty we won't address this again um but it just i'd like to think that we'll be like wait there's somebody just thinking about this a lot in the future <laughs> stop thinking um i did like that they included this element which i didn't find in lore I um, forgot to mention that of it only happened because this symbol was also painted inside the cabin that um, a symbol that was used to amplify um, the meditation and concentration, which helped create this tulpa, which explains away this kind of happening again. Because uh, the symbol is per- not there anymore. Yeah, it was just this perfect circumstance of these people making up this story and making it on the internet with this picture of the symbol and then people believing it. Um, so it took this perfect storm to create this tulpa. So not every single time it's like, oh, it's just a tulpa. Oh, why isn't there a tulpa? <laughs> that voice. <laughs> <laughs> they both pranked the PIs at the end. That was fun, too. I really thought that was a great way of ending a prank war. <laughs> because uh so so many shows do like a prank war and like it ultimately ends with like oh it went too far we need to stop and this time it's just like no let's just do one last one together <laughs> i don't know oh you didn't oh, like you didn't it like it <laughs> i you wanted like was, a better winner no, do you think it was too mean i felt like it was a little, sent him all the way sam's yeah sam's was, felt just a little bit too far <laughs> I know we were really supposed to not like these guys, but at the end I was like, they're really excited. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, Bruce, you made it sad. <laughs> I mean, haha. You're too, you're too empathetic. <laughs> yeah, you really like it. But the fish is hilarious. <laughs> uh, maybe this was just the beginning of Sam's heel turn. <laughs> Reviews? Reviews. This week, I give this episode eight tulpas out of ten. Uh, in particular, I liked the comedic relief of the paranormal investigators and the prank war. Um, it was fun. It'd be better with the story arc, but you can't—you really can't have both. Like such a light-hearted episode with the really heavy 
story of how their mom died. So, um, yeah, eight out of ten. I liked it. So, in the Marvel universe, um, the way they usually set it up is, you know, they have a very serious, um, uh, serious movie. Uh, Age of Ultron happened, and then we got Ant Man, which is kind of goofy and lighthearted. We had um, Infinity War, and then Ant Man Two. Yes. Okay. And then we had Endgame, and then we had Spider Man. Um, so the way this this that that formula works is like something really serious, and then they give you something lighthearted to kind of take you out of that and like you know come back to a calm place. And I felt like this was this was Supernatural's Spider Man from our last episode. Um, we had something really deep and really dark, and now we're back to you know. Need need some fluff. You need some fluff. So I gave it a higher rating um than I normally would for a uh you can call it filler. Yeah, yeah. okay. <laughs> I gave it a higher rating than I usually do for filler episodes. Um I don't know, for some reason this one just really felt just genuine. Uh it, I, I was never bored during this episode. Um not a lot really happened when you talk about it, but there was just a lot of uh cool moments you know brothers just goofing off and pranking each other um really not this crazy uh villain um some these wacky paranormal investigators it was just an all-out fun episode um and i i love to see them have some good detective skills as well um and that kind of brought that out pretty well um the changing of the whole uh legend over the website was a really cool skill and uh i just uh just a fun episode so eight out of ten prosquitters every time this happens it's always on the exact same score unanimous eight out of ten <laughs> it's never um, a seven out of ten <laughs> no every time it's an eight um yeah i mean exactly what you guys said i found this to just be a nice fun humorous monster of the week episode um Similar to Faith, like, but all, it's a very different episode than Faith. Faith to me, I told you guys, is pretty much like the perfect Monster of the Week episode to me. Um, this is a complete 180 tonal shift, but it lands on everything it tries to. The brothers' interactions with each other, like you said, Bruce, they're very genuine. They're humorous. Um, they We see them having fun, and it's fun to watch them have fun together. Um, and then we get the guest stars who... Some of them looked pretty old, but our PIs were fun characters to watch Sam and Dean interact with. And we had this pretty cool monster who was different than what we've seen so far. So all that adds up to just a relaxing, fun ride for a week and eight per squeeders out of 10. Next week on Supernatural, we're watching season one, episode 18. Something wicked this way comes. Sam and Dean investigate a small town in Wisconsin where children are falling into comas for no apparent reason. So we have five episodes left. Ooh. What do you think? Um, I can't change my prediction from last week. <laughs> this, this episode really gave me nothing to change on. Um, maybe we'll use the thing that if people believe in something, it'll come true. So. Maybe uh, next couple episodes we get something weird where because enough people believe in it, it comes to life, but I doubt it. 
Um, Dad's sticking with it. Episode 20. We will see Dad. Um, it's going to be awesome. Meg's going to come back. Meh. But we're going to meet Father episode 21, which I think I may have changed at some point. Um, my supernatural bingo. I believe I get an X. You do. There is oh, a let's see. And where Tulpa. is it? Yeah, it doesn't really do. We need a violent spirit, which I don't. I don't know if a violent spirit exists. Uh, you need a phantom traveler. Say. <laughs> yeah. For any questions, comments, or smart remarks, send them to naturalfriendspodcast at gmail Find us on Instagram and Twitter at naturalfriendspodcast. Thank you to our fans and our wives for your continuous support. If you enjoyed this, drop us a review and subscribe. Thanks for joining us. We are Natural, natural, natural friends. friends. Supernatural Friends. Supernatural Friends. Eight out of ten prosquitiers. <laughs> um. <laughs> Persquitters? <laughs> <laughs> I gave this 8 out of 10 squeeters. <laughs> <laughs>